excited you're here today with us for life. My name is Richie, our lead pastor, and believe that God has a reason for each of us to be here today. I believe he wants to speak to you, make himself known in your life. As a church, we're on a mission together to reach this world for him one person at a time. And so when we come in here on Sundays, we're not just checking boxes, going through motions. We're actually being equipped to, to see this city, this world change through us as a people. God wants to use you to see lives around you uh, become new, become transformed by his love. And I'm so thankful that we get to do this together as a church. If you're new back after last Easter, welcome back after last week. Sorry, uh, we are excited that you're here and uh, can't wait to really begin a relationship with you and begin on a journey with you. I got to call so many new people this week. It's such a joy, such a joy to uh, hear who God's bringing and uh, what God's doing in people's lives. And I'm excited that God brought you here, brought you back today, and uh, can't wait to see what God's going to do in each of us today. Uh, we're, we're doing something pretty cool. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of our, how many of you in the room, you just put your hand up and say, I've heard of One Heart. I know what One Heart is. That's pretty good. Okay, they're about 20% of us. And One Heart is a, is a nonprofit that we started years ago to help meet the needs of kids here in our city. And so we actually have a center that's open for after-school programming uh, for kids in, in, um, down in kind of the Hilliard, East Central uh, part of our, of our city. And it's an amazing opportunity to love and bless kids. We feed them dinner every night that we're open. We're having a ton of fun with them. Uh, and then we do big events. We do like a back-to-school event where we give away thousands of brand-new pairs of shoes and all kinds of uh, stuff to get kids ready to go back to school. And uh, we are hosting our second annual fun run for One Heart here on May 20th. And I want you to put this on your calendar because it's an opportunity uh, to raise money for One Heart, our daily, weekly operations of One Heart, but it's also a chance for you uh, to get the word out to other people what One Heart is and uh, what God is doing through this ministry. And uh, it's a chance for, for many of you to be a part of something. Maybe you're not a runner like Tyler at the gym, right? You are. Uh, you would say, man, I'm a walker. I want to walk. Do it. It's a 5K, just over three miles. You could do it. It's at Manitou Park. It's beautiful. It's going to be super fun. We want you to be a part of it. And, and I would say this to you that are business owners or managers. Uh, you're somebody that has uh, financial influence at your occupation. Uh, One Heart, being this nonprofit, would love to have sponsorship be a part of this. And maybe your company, maybe your team could actually help sponsor this event or future events. Uh, it's an amazing opportunity to get your uh, company connected with something life-changing for kids here in our city. Uh, Deb is our new One Heart fundraising director. Can we put our hands together for Deb? Welcome her to the team. She's going to be out there in the lobby, and uh, we're so excited for her to be on the team. Many of you know that we raised a bunch of money in the fall, and one of the chunks of money that we were raising for was this, this fundraising director. She's here, and God is using her, and uh, we are excited to see how God multiplies the impact of One Heart through her, through Justin. They're going to be in the lobby answering questions about the fun run. In fact, you can text this number right here. Um, text that little code S1880 to that number. That'll send you the registration link so you can sign up for a run or walk. Uh, bring all your kids, all your friends with you. Share this code out. Uh, we want people to be a part of this amazing event. May 20th, it's going to be awesome. We're also doing a bunch of fun stuff on Mother's Day, a chance to bless kids around the world. On Mother's Day, you are not going to want to miss. This May is going to be a lot of fun, a lot of ways to reach this world for Jesus one person at a time. Sound good? All right, well, we'll uh, I'm not going to ask you again just because, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of in that mood today. Uh, yeah. 
Man, I'm excited. We're going to begin a new series uh, today that's going to take us uh, several weeks to, to navigate because it's a conversation about who you are becoming. We read um, Revelation 21 at the end of the service last week. And that was on purpose. At the end of all things, there's a new heaven and there's a new earth and the lamb who sits on the throne is saying, hey, I, I am making all things new. This is picture of what is coming and what is being done as God sends his son here to earth to die for all the sin of all humanity, to resurrect from the dead and defeat sin and death. He's beginning to, to paint a picture of a new kingdom, a, a kingdom of lives that have been rescued out of hell and brokenness and lostness and are now being set free to become who he made you to be, a kingdom of freedom and joy and hope and life. And that is a process for all of us to engage in. It's really a journey of transformation. See, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we come with all of our baggage, all of our brokenness of our past. This is the good news about Jesus is he doesn't make you clean your act up before you come to him, amen? He allows you to come right as you are, saves you, guarantees you for the day of salvation that you will be with him in eternity forever. He's not sitting there with his arms crossed, hoping that you get it right or making you prove it, but he is, he is longing though for you to begin a journey of transformation to become who he made you to be. See who you were before Jesus Christ was a life that was being wasted, a life that had no impact, a life that had no significance, a life that had no hope, no freedom, no joy. Coming to faith in Jesus Christ, you're being awakened to a new life, to a new kind of life. And that's going to affect every part of who you are. So we want to walk you through those parts over the next several weeks. We want to help you engage on this journey of transformation. So my hope is that today, we just kind of lay the groundwork for that conversation. Would you open your Bible with me to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. It's way in the back of your Bible, Bible app on your phone, because I don't hear a ton of pages turning. <laughs> Put it on the microphone for us. Uh, this is what it sounds like. We want to be a people who are engaged. I hear it. Oh, that's so good. I hear it. Uh, we want to be a people who know God's word this way. Hebrews chapter 12, you need to look at the table of contents. That's great. We'll have some stuff on the screen here as well. I don't know if anybody plays golf in the room, but it is a horrible sport that I love. Especially now that my 15-year-old is playing and she is already almost better than me. And uh, I got home. I got to play the first nine holes that I got to play all year uh, just a few days ago. I got home. She's like, so dad, what'd you shoot? Like, I knew these, this question was coming, but I don't want to, I'm not answering, especially not to you, 15-year-old. I love you, um, but I'm not telling you what I shot because it was the worst day of golf in my life. You know, it's worse because I, 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 I've had a few pointers lately and it's really improved my game and I've been excited about this first round of golf and everything that I learned absolutely did not show up on that day on the golf course at all. So I hate golf, um, but um, I'll be playing again soon. I think the thing though that's so important about golf is that it allows you to see really who you are, like really what your game is like. There's no lying about golf, good shot, bad shot. I mean, there's, there is really no hiding. When you think about your spiritual journey, coming to faith in Jesus Christ and then growing to maturity in Christ, many of us embark on this spiritual journey without a destination in mind at all. We have no idea what the end is. We're just on it. Whatever it is, I'm in, Jesus, like, let's go. And a lot of times that kind of limits our spiritual growth and development because 
really to be successful, you got to start with the end in mind. Like, what is your goal? Where are you heading? Who are you becoming? What does it look like for you to become the man or the woman that God made you to be? God has a plan and a dream for your life, and, and, and he has a desire for you to be someone that, that brings about this new life and this kingdom that he's been preaching and people have been receiving for decades and centuries now. And, and yet many of us have come to faith in Jesus Christ, and we've just kind of stayed right there. If we're not careful, if we're not actually working out our salvation with fear and trembling, Scripture teaches us, if that's not the goal of our lives and maturity is not the aim that we are looking at, we will stagnate, stay stuck, be ineffective, and the baggage that we brought in will continue to hamper and hinder the lives and the potential that we are longing to have. I don't want that for none of us. We want to become the people that God made us to people who are transformed, people who are new. So around here, we talk about our spiritual journey as really a process of becoming mature. When you think about mature, you could think about it from a, just a human standpoint. You know, mature humans and immature humans, amen? And when you think about it spiritually, uh, there's a lot of similarities there. Think about what makes a, a mature human being and what also looks like maturity and spirituality, there's a lot of, like, like when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you're like a brand new little baby. You're born again, the Bible says. <laughs> and and what, what's so amazing about babies is they're so cute and they make a ton of messes and, and they're super dependent on everybody. My little niece just turned one. We got to celebrate her birthday yesterday and it was so much fun to see, I, she's so cute, stuffing cake in her face. You know, it's like, no, no adult in their right mind should ever get away with this, but we're all like videoing, right? Or she's like smearing frosting all over her face. Like, it's so cute. And some of us, we do this spiritually. We are still in that infancy spot where we have just come to faith in Jesus Christ and never matured beyond that because we didn't know what maturity looked like or where we're supposed to be going. We're still smearing frosting all over our face and saying, look at me, aren't I cute? And everybody's like, I was old like 10 years ago. For us, spiritually, many of us have stayed in this spot. And I think about us knowing what the destination is and how important it is for us to become who God made us to be. Are you maturing? Do you know what mature is? Spiritually speaking, do you know where you're going spiritually and who you are becoming and what the goal is and, and what maturation looks like in the process of moving from infancy to childhood to young adulthood, eventually parenthood, where you're actually reproducing other people spiritually who are growing in the faith? Do you know what it's like to pursue Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? What it's like to connect in real relationship with other followers of Jesus? How to give of your life, how to give of your finances, how to multiply what God has done in you into other people's lives. Do you know what this pattern and these habits look like in your life? Or have you just kind of just come? Well, I'm here. I'm at church. That's what they told me to do. Go to church. I'm here. (laughs) What do I do now? That's why we're having this conversation. Because God has a plan for your life, a dream, a personhood. He's longing for you to become a, a person of hope and fulfillment, of impact, world-changing impact, in fact. Living the way that we've always lived with the habits and the brokenness and the patterns that we brought into this faith will not get us to the maturity that God has called us to become. He's wanting to make all things new in your life. You think about the way you parent, the way you are married, your sexuality, uh, the way that you uh, navigate work and, and, and the way you think about your relationships here in the church. Many of us never think about relationships in the church because church is a, 
a thing that we just consume and we get on with our week. But the fact that the church is actually supposed to be a family on a mission together, a a team that is accomplishing a goal together, for many of us never crossed our mind because church is a thing that I attend when I get around to it. Or or, or maybe uh, you you think about the the, the relationships you have at school and the world around you, your kids at sports, whatever it is. Maybe maybe it's, it's the spiritual realm. There's maturity within the spiritual realm that God wants to bring about that there's angels and demons and spiritual forces that are, 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 are coming after you and keeping you from the purpose of God for your life and how to navigate that battle, that, that war, man, it's so important for us to understand in each of these different spheres that God has maturity in mind for us. But if we're not aiming at it, we're definitely not getting there, amen? So God help us get there. That's what this conversation is about. So I want to start with just some truth today. The goal is that you and I would become mature in Christ. When you think about maturity in Christ, uh, there is a passion in in me as as a leader in our church, but all throughout scripture for the people of God to become who God made them to be. Paul says this in Colossians 1, verse 28. He says, he, Jesus, is the one we proclaim. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all the wisdom, everything we've got, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. This is the goal for your life spiritually, is that you would be fully mature in Christ. To this end, Paul says, I strenuously contend. I give everything I've got with all the energy of Christ that is so powerfully working in me. You can hear this guy not passively going, boy, I hope the church gets mature someday. No, 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 no. I am giving my life so that that everyone who comes to faith in Jesus Christ would grow to the fullness and the maturity that God has called them to become, who he's made them to be, that I wouldn't be okay with just full rooms, but that I would be passionate about an army being raised up and released on a city to see it changed, amen? That that we wouldn't be content with playing spiritual games and checking religious boxes and and just kind of going through motions, but actually seeing the power of God at work in the people of God, using the people of God to see lives change through us. Mature. With all the energy inside. So when when I think about this as the goal, then you have to ask yourself this question. What is it then that we would say is mature? Because we could call the play right now. We could say, all right, everybody go get mature on three, on three, ready, break, right? Run out, <clears throat> run the play, mature, you know, hike, whatever. And we all run in like 10 different directions because everybody's got a different idea of what mature is. You come from different church backgrounds. Some of you have never been around church at all. You're like mature, no idea what that even means. No concept of unity around this definition at all. So I want to look at it, not from church experiences, not from previous definitions. I want to look at it from scripture just for a moment. We'll get to Hebrews 12. I promise we're going to be there very soon. First Corinthians 13, same author as Colossians, Paul. He says, now I want to show you the most excellent way. They've been talking in, in chapter 12 and they'll talk more in 14 about spiritual gifts and how they all work in the church. But he's like, I want to show you the most excellent way. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. He says, if, if, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains, whew, I want that kind of faith, but have not love, 
I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, raise all the money for one heart we could possibly raise, surrender my body to the flames, become a martyr for the faith, but have not love, I gain nothing. There's so many definitions of maturity out there. Uh, in, a, in a culture that just loves degrees and, and letters after our names, knowledge could be one of those definitions. How much you know, how much you know about the Bible and the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic and all the, the way to pull it apart. For some of you, it's, it's spiritual gifts. Maybe you come from churches where speaking in tongues is, is, is the mark of maturity or prophecies, words of knowledge, these gifts of the spirit that are amazing gifts. Maybe it's a, a word of faith or, or the gift of faith and you've actually seen you know, people healed and these miraculous things happen through your prayers and there's this sense of like, that's maturity. Or maybe it's, it's this desire to do justice in our broken city and give to those that are poor and, and, and make a difference with real needs in broken parts of our, our lives and our city or this idea of martyrdom. We could elevate any of these things as the posture or the place of maturity, but Paul is going, no, if you don't have love, none of these matter. He said, there's three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. I was thinking about when Jesus was being tested by the religious leaders of his day. They're trying to see if he's legit or not. And if he'll answer questions according to the way that the tradition of God's word has always been answered. They say, master, teacher, what's the greatest commandment? The greatest, like highest, most elevated commandment. Jesus is like, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But then he like kind of stumps him because he says, well, the second is like it. They asked him for one and he gave him two. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Said, in fact, all the law and the prophets, the entire Old Testament hang on these two commands. It's all fulfilled in this. Like if you can learn to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, if you can learn to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself, man, the entire Old Testament is fulfilled in those two commands right there. Jesus was talking to his disciples before his departure, and and he said to them, you know, this is how all people are gonna know that you're my disciples. You're not disciples of some other teacher or some other religion or some other sect. They're gonna know you are my disciples by your love for one another. I hope you hear that I'm building a case for the definition of maturity is this, one who loves the way God has called us to love. One who loves God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. The one who loves his neighbor as himself. The definition of maturity that I believe God is calling us to become is a people who love really well. A people who are attractive because of our love for God and our love for other people. The people that that are so changed that our self-centered ways are being left behind us and our self-serving ways are being left behind us that we are becoming so new that, that the way we love people around us is radical. And people are like, wow, I want to love like that. I need love like that. I want to be around people that love like that. Like there's an attractiveness, an aroma, a, a, a sense of like excitement around those kind of people. And I'm believing that, that this kind of maturity is who God wants us to be. But here's, the, here's what this message is really about. Hebrews chapter 12. That definition, that goal, that destination where we are going, becoming the people who love the way God calls us to love, become really an invitation 
to be a people on a journey, a process of transformation. Because we ain't there yet. Amen? I was hoping for a little more hearty amen right there. <laughs> like an acknowledgement, right? A humility that says, yeah, you're right. I don't love very well. I, I want to love well, but I'm not there yet. This is what Hebrews 12 is really about. Verse one, if you've got it there in your Bible, we've got it on the screen, maybe on your phone. <clears throat> the author says, therefore, just finished expanding all of chapter 11 is heroes of our faith. People that have gone before us and they've ran an amazing race of faith and faithfulness. Many of them never even saw the fulfillment of the promise that God gave them, but they ran with all their hearts. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all those people in chapter 11, if you're wondering who I'm talking about, go read it this afternoon. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us, let us as a people who have come to faith in Jesus Christ, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. He gives us two categories to consider here. There's things and patterns and habits and routines in your life that are hindering your spiritual maturity. Throw them off. And there is sin in your life that is keeping you from the person that God made you to be. Two different categories. A lot of times we lump it all into one. It's all sin and we just suck all the time, right? He's like, no, there's just like stuff that you, ways of thinking, there's patterns in your life that you have created over time that are keeping you from the purpose of God for your life. You got to throw those things off. And there is sin as well that is entangling your heart and your mind and your priorities and creating some of those patterns and habits and, and rituals that have kept you from the purpose of God, throw it off. Throw off everything that hinders. Throw it off. And let us run with perseverance, the race that is marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. The pioneer, I love this language, the pioneer and the perfecter of this faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sitting down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted the point of shedding your blood. <laughs> You're just getting started is what he's saying. And you have, and have, and have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. It's a good thing. The Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, he says. Not true sons and daughters at all. Some of you are like, why did it get so much harder as soon as I came to faith in Jesus Christ? Because of this right here. You used to just live for your sinful nature and it didn't matter. Now you got the spirit of God inside you going, hey, Stop sleeping with them. Stop smoking that stuff. Knock it off, right? And you feel convicted inside you. That conviction is the Lord's discipline. He's chastening you. He's helping you to become who he made you to be. Don't despise the Lord's discipline. Everyone undergoes it. Moreover, we all have had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our 
good. I underline this. In order that we may share in his holiness. What is that? That definition of maturity. Who we are becoming. That we may be like God. That we may be one who loves the way God loves. The way he's called us to love. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Amen? But painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and a peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen, uh, strengthen your feeble arms. He's like, you're weak. And your weak knees. You don't find the Bible. This is like humorous to me. Like, this is awesome. He's like, you're whiny. Stop it. Be stronger, okay? Like, be stronger. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. I don't know how you feel about this passage, but when I hear this, I get so fired up. I get so excited thinking, who might we become if we would actually run the race that God has given us to run? God has marked out a race for your life. It's a race of transformation. It's a life of becoming the man or the woman that he's made you to be. He brought you into the kingdom by his grace and by his grace, he's gonna help you become the man or the woman he's called you to be. It's a process. It's a life of transformation, but you got a, you got a part to play in this. Some of us think of God as this, like this magical fairy in the sky that's got a wand and he's just going to wave it over your life and everything's just going to be magically better. It's not how it works. God puts a deposit of his spirit inside you and that spirit of God inside you, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, is the power and the conviction to become who he made you to be, but you got to submit to it. That's your part. That's what it means to run your race is stop listening to the the sinful nature inside you and start listening to the spirit of God inside you. Running your race means you actually taking seriously this definition of maturity and becoming somebody who who God is, is working out their salvation in them with this sense of urgency and this passion inside them. Jesus said one time to his disciples, the kingdom of heaven is advancing forcefully and only forceful men lay hold of it. You know what this says to me is that it could pass you by if you don't run your race. You you could actually miss out on, on the experience of knowing the fullness of who God wants you to be and the impact that God wants your life to have and the, the importance of who you could become and the life that God could work out in you that's so impactful and so fulfilling and so filled with joy and excitement and passion. Run your race. When the writer of Hebrews writes this, I just, get, I just get fired up going, all right, how do we be a people that run a race? God, would you make us a people that, that have a passion for this race? <laughs> I don't know about you, but when you hear the word race, it doesn't always bring about the warmest fuzzy feelings in the world, does it? Oh, yeah, like hills too and sweaty and yeah, no, no thank you, right? But what I love that the author does as he says, all right, I want you to run this race with perseverance. Key word there, perseverance, right? And it's a race that's been marked out for you. I love that. You know what that means is that there's a divine peace here. But the creator of the universe says, you know, I have a plan and a purpose for you. And I'm going to mark out a race for you to help you become who I've called you to be and the impact that I want to have with your life. You got to trust me, though, and you, gotta, you just got to get running. You'll get to the destination at eternity. You'll get to that place of maturity and you'll see my hand in it all, but you got to get running. And then I love how he just brings this simple focus for us. He says, run this race and I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus. 
If you're going, how do I do this? Jesus. Jesus is our model. If you ever wonder why at Real Life, we're always preaching from God's word. and We're always admonishing you to be like every day in God's word because Jesus is our model. Here's what God did. God brought his son to earth, not only to live this perfect sinless life, become a substitute for you and give his life willingly for you, pay the penalty of your sin, resurrect from the dead and, and victory over sin and death and offer you eternal life. Not only that, like the most eternity changing thing ever, but he also was the perfect model of the life that we are to live, the race that we are to run. So if you ever have a question, like what does this race look like? Look at Jesus. What does love look like? Look at Jesus. How do I love well? Look at Jesus. How did he love God? Look at Jesus. Look, how do I love this enemy of mine? Look at Jesus. He is our model of the race that God has called us to run. It is a race of becoming more and more like Jesus in how we think, how we feel, and how we, we our motives inside of us and the way we act and the way we spend our time, our energy, our finances. Look at Jesus. Here's the enemy of running your race, comparing your race to other people's races. We do this all the time. Look at their race. Must be nice. You call that hardship, right? <laughs> this is hardship. And we do this. We, 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 our joy gets sucked out of our race because we're looking at their race and we're like, that ain't even a race. They're walking. <laughs> like, how do, why do they get it so easy? We do this all the time and, and pretty soon we have no motivation, no passion, no excitement, no energy, no steps are being taken in our race whatsoever. We are sitting idly, stagnantly comparing our race to everyone else's races and, and we're getting a little kind of hard-hearted inside, bitter, frustrated. Why isn't my race easy like their race? And why do they call that trial when this is trial? And we get all this like just bitterness stirring up inside of us and God's like, hey, I marked out a race for you. I want you to become who I made you to be. And I got a different race for them. You don't got to worry about that. I got them. You be who I am calling you to be. Don't compare yourself to other people. Run the race that God has given you to do. When you fix your eyes on Jesus, he becomes your model, but he also becomes your strength. Peter is a great example of, you know, Jesus comes walking to Peter on the water. Really cool night. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, God just walked to me on the water. I mean, that's a pretty cool night. And uh, Peter's like, hey, if it's you, Lord, just uh, command me to get out of the boat and I'll, I'll get there. Peter, Jesus said, all right, Peter, come. So he gets out of the boat. He's walking on water to Jesus. The waves get kind of like hectic all around him. It's a storm. Jesus is walking to him in the midst of a storm and Peter's distracted by the waves. Like, oh my gosh, these are huge. I didn't. When he's out there walking, it looks so easy. And here I am walking and I think I'm going to die. And he's looking at the waves and he starts to drown, cries out, Lord, help me. It's a perfect picture of what happens in, in so many of our lives is, is we're fixed on Jesus and we got all this faith like, ah, we're going to conquer the world, Jesus. We're, you're going to change me. This life is going to be used by you in such a powerful way. Ah, this is going to be, I'm out of the boat. I'm walking. And then like difficulties start waving up in our lives. Different kinds of disciplines start showing up. Spirit of God convicting us of sin and entanglements in our lives. And they get difficult and we, we kind of get distracted and we lose our focus and our attention off of Jesus and we're sinking. Our hearts are getting hardened. I love what he says then next. He says, well, consider. Consider what Jesus 
Consider the race he ran. Said, hey, in your, uh, your resistance of sin, you haven't quite gotten to the point where you've shed your blood to resist your sin. Because that's what Jesus did. If you're ever finding yourself discouraged, look at the one who ran his race so faithfully. If you're ever wondering why you're doing what you're doing, the race that you are running, just, just take a step back for a second and, and look at the race that Jesus ran and why he ran it. He ran it in love for you. He endured the cross. He scorned its shame for you. He sat down in victory at the right hand of the Father for you. He ran his race so that you could run yours. He was faithful in his race so that you could experience the joy of yours. What a gift. Now easy it is for us to make light of the race that he ran because we're discouraged about the race we got to run. And we dishonor him by not bringing our best to our race when, when he gave his all in his race. How easy it is for us to get our eyes off of Jesus and forget the race that he ran and the power that he demonstrated and the love that motivated him and compelled him. And we end up making a light of the sacrifice that Jesus made so that we could become mature by staying stagnant and stuck in our lives. We dishonor God by being satisfied with the status quo and immaturity in our hearts. We justify it even. It's really sad when you say it like that, Richie. And I think that, that it's important for us to consider him. You fix our eyes on him and you consider him. Because one of the most powerful is that I think it's going to serve us in this journey of maturity. It's just a tool that God always is bringing. It's why, part of why he put his spirit inside of us. It's called awareness. When we're made aware of our sin or our entanglements, now we have a decision to make. Am I going to run this race or am I going to exit stage left? And I think that this is the journey of maturity is is is. This race that we are running is consistently just over and over and over again. When the Spirit prompts us, we say yes. We take another step. It's a race. We've got to run it with perseverance. We take another step. We talk about it all the time around here. Take your next step. Take your next step. Put it on the connect card. Take your next step. Some of us kind of get nauseated by it. Real life's all about the next steps. We get it, guys. Why are we so passionate about it? Because it's the race that God's given you to run. We are working diligently and passionately that you would become mature in Christ with all the energy that he has put inside of us that you and I would become who God makes us to be. When the Holy Spirit makes you aware of sin and entanglements in your life, this is an opportunity for you to take a step and to become who God makes you to be, to let go of the old life and to make something new. This is your part. See, God is always gonna do his part. He's always going to convict. He's always going to love. He's always going to encourage. He's always going to forgive. He's always going to pour out grace. He's always going to be God. But you got your part to play too. Run your race. Nobody can run it for you. Nobody can get you mature for you. There's not some magical wand waiting to wave over your life and everything's just poof, going to be better all of a sudden. 
You and I becoming who God made us to be is a journey of saying yes to his spirit, prompting us day in and day out, running this race with perseverance. Does God do the miraculous? Absolutely. Does he heal? Absolutely. Does he transform? Absolutely. Does he, does he mend broken hearts? So much. We love when God does his part, but I am calling us to be a people who do our part, who run this race that God has marked out for us. We recognize the discipline that he's putting on our lives is a gift. It's a sign. It's a symbol that we are his children. It's a symbol of love. I love you so much that I don't want to leave you the way you were. I want you to become who I made you to be. And so come on. I want to show you some stuff. I want to change some stuff. I want to shape some stuff in your life. See, see, to desire the discipline of God in our lives is, is really the heart posture that I, I believe the Spirit of God is inviting us into. Not be a people that resist the discipline, despise it, get angry at God about it, but actually desire it. Okay, God, if this is what you want to do, if this is how you want to grow me, Many of you know the difficulties my family is navigating right now. And these are the conversations that we're having together right now. I don't say this lightly, like flippantly, like what a preacher should say. I say this right in the middle of it with you. Difficulty is real in so many of our lives. It's so easy to despise it. The hardships, the uncertainties that we're facing, God is calling us to be a people that just in humility receive the discipline, receive the direction, receive the steps that he's wanting to give us to take, the maturity that he's wanting to bring about in our lives. I love how this passage ends. God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Trained. That's us receiving gladly with humility, saying, God, make me into the man, the woman that you've called me to be. I'm in. I dream about the kind of church we would be as we mature. The kind of impact we would have not only on this city, but on the world. That actually the world would be reached through a church right here in Spokane. The lives would be impacted all over the city, every school, every work environment, every neighborhood, every country around the world would experience the love and the grace of Jesus because there's some people in this room today that made a decision to run the race that God gave them to run. We don't know what God's marked out for each of us, but he's marked it out. Stagnancy in our spiritual lives is not an option for us because God has given us a mission to reach this entire world. So we collectively today, here's my ask to us. As we start to navigate these next several weeks together and we dive into all these different areas of maturity in our lives, here's the groundwork that I want to set today is that we really want to be a people that just consistently over and over, day in and day out, when the Spirit of God is inside of us and He's prompting us, convicting us, that we'd be a people that just say yes. Yes, God, I'll take that step. Yes, God, I will 
leave that sin in the past. Yes, God, I will remove that obstacle and that barrier from you and love the way you've called me to love. God, yes, I am in. That yes starts at the very beginning when he says, I'm going to give you my son as a gift. Many of us have been saying yes to the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. It's marked by baptism. Got to baptize people last week. The week before, seven people were baptized into Jesus Christ. Like I think about just the audacity of what God is doing through so many of you as you're sharing your faith with friends and family. More people. I see a whole crew of you standing in the back with baptism shirts on right now saying yes to Jesus. It's how it starts. And then it begins a daily journey, right? Every day of us just saying yes over and over and over and over again to the Spirit of God in silence. Oh, to be a people that just say yes to God. My hope is that if it's your first time today, you would say yes to salvation, forgiveness of your sin, inclusion into the kingdom. If you've said that yes before, that today God would just put a conviction in your heart to be a person that says yes to Him continually, day in and day out. As God speaks to you through this series, next steps he gives you to take that you would just say yes I'm all in Jesus you speak I obey I believe obedience in your relationship with Jesus is the race that God is calling you to run step by step day after day it's that simple I don't really know the the destination of what God has in mind and the impact that he has in mind but we know the goal of maturity that he's calling us to so we say yes at that spot today you're just ready to say yes would you just stand your feet all over this room I want to pray for you today yes God whatever you have for me right now if you just stand up you come to faith in Jesus years ago right now you just like I'm in this this next several months God as you speak I'm in I say yes to you we stand here God committed to you right now in a posture of humility and desire God to be obedient a longing, God, to be changed by you into the men and women that you've called us to be. God, forgive us for resisting your discipline in the past. God, we come humbly today in repentance, just saying, Lord, we want to be a people changed and matured by you, God. Grown to be who you've made us to be, God. I thank you for every heart in this room that's saying yes to you, for the salvation that you're bringing the healing that you're bringing, the hope that you're filling hearts with, God, the maturity that you're going to bring about, God, that picture of just your church loving, God, in such an infectious way that this city has changed, God. I, I just I just can't get that picture out of my head, God, and can't help but think, like, who in this room, God, you're going to use to see the city change, Lord? We all stand here today saying, yes, Lord, use us, mature me, grow me, Lord. I am all in to become who you made me to be. We love you, Jesus you're here today and you have not been baptized like i said there's a crew ready to, to help you take that step we've got people already getting baptized this service we'd love to help you take that step we've got shirts and shorts and towels everything you need just head to the back right now our team will help you get changed pray with you talk with you about that this team's going to lead us in a moment of worship let's just worship with all the hearts today come on let's respond